Hello and welcome to Design Unmuted, a podcast that centers marginalized voices in design, art, and all things creative. I am your host, Divine, a landscape designer and social critic. Hi, everyone. I am glad to have Roberta today as my guest. And uh, Roberta, thank you for being here with us. Uh, Could you please start by introducing yourself and tell us... um, Anything about your background, your hobbies, your dreams, what you've been up to, anything you'd like to share? Thank you, Divine, for having me. I am equal parts nervous, excited. (laughs) No, no, no need to be nervous. This is a very chill conversation. Okay, so I'm Roberta. Um, Divine and I worked together at some point, my honor. Not as long as I would like. I have um, a background in architecture and in landscape architecture. We met while we both worked at a landscape um, architecture firm. Um, Landscape architecture was a happy accident for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I always wanted to do that, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it as part of being a super duper architect, right? Right. So my plan was um, I'll get my degree in architecture, master in it. And at some point, I would just keep tacking things on to make me like that super architect. So I was going to tack mm. on a landscape architecture degree, tack mm. on an interior thing. And I was just going to like tack things yeah. on as I go, right? Just take over the <laughs> world. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to be in in um, University of Lagos. Um, I was doing a postgraduate diploma in preparation for my master's in architecture. Mm-hmm. And they had room in the landscape architecture program. So mm. they literally just said, so we have this program with not a lot of students and we have to take off. Is there anybody who is interested? Even though you didn't apply, we're just if, if you just indicate an interest, we would let you into the program and um, you could have a degree in landscape architecture. And I was like, mm, yeah, mm. I kind of always wanted this. I think I'll do it. Right. So I did it. I did it with my obnoxious thoughts about what landscape architecture was supposed to be. I I kind of thought I was just going to learn about where to put a tree. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) And then I went there and my worldview opened beyond anything I could have imagined. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was humbling because it it was nice to learn that I really didn't know shit. Right. it was um, it was very educating, but it also like st- just um, steered the course of my life because uh, I was suddenly just as interested in landscape architecture as I had ever been in architecture. Right. And um, this all happened in Nigeria a few years ago. By the time I la- wrapped up that degree, I worked I worked comfortably in both fields. So mm-hmm. most people wanted an architect in Nigeria, but didn't really care about the landscape architect. Right. So I was the person who would be hired and I would say, well, I'm also a landscape architect, so we can do even more than you had imagined with your space. And it was tough mm-hmm. educating people about landscape architecture, but it was also understandable because I was just as ignorant until I had that degree. Right. So I could sort of understand um, how limited the knowledge out there about the profession was. So, um, yeah, I got to do a lot of um, work as uh, an architect and a landscape architect. Right. But um, I moved to Canada. And when I was moving to Canada, I literally just cast my net white saying, hey, I, I'm comfortable as an architect. I'm comfortable as a landscape architect. Who's going to hire me? And <laughs> <laughs> whoever hired 
hires me first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I got hired in a firm I enjoy working at as a, land, um, a landscape architecture firm. So I got hired to practice landscape design. So that's mm -hmm. what I've been doing exclusively for elite for oh, almost exactly a year now. That's awesome. But, yeah. So you mentioned that the program you, you were going to go to um, back in Nigeria, that they were short of students. So is it a pretty small program? Oh, yes. So um, landscape architecture is like so not popular in Nigeria. There are exactly two schools mm -hmm. in the entire nation, two postgraduate um, universities. Um, so, yeah, and they're all, it's all at postgraduate level, too. So there are right. only two universities that um, offer the program, and very few people know it exists. Right. So not a lot of people apply. So they might have room for 15 students and get only, like, two applications. So it's not even – they don't even get to say you applied but didn't qualify for the program. They're right. like, you applied, you get it. Thank you. Welcome. Right. I see. So how many people were in your – year your first year who started so the program in my first year we were 16 okay we graduated i think 12 by the time we were graduating like people had lost interest or like right. life had happened but by the time we graduated there were 12 of us if i remember well that's I a, to corrected but it wasn't a lot yeah i think that's a an, like a, a challenge for the profession is that there True. are a lot of people either don't know about it or if they know about it, they don't actually fully understand what it is. Um, and I think especially on the African continent, it, yeah. <laughs> we, we so need landscape architects, but also like, I mean, Nigeria, it's actually even an exception that there is two universities that have the program because yeah. a lot of countries don't even have Very that program. True. Right. So, so it's, it's like, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there is at least two universities, yeah, even I'm, though I'm, it's yeah, not guaranteed. Yeah, interest has grown since then. So it's good that there has been a steady um, steady turnout of graduates ever right. since then. So it's it, the numbers vary, but people, the, the, the knowledge is actually out there now. Like the awareness is out there now. It's, right. There's still a lot of work to do, of course, like tons, like, and there are interests from other universities now mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's encouraging where we're yeah. going to go there. So do you know if uh, since since you graduated, like the the incoming uh, cohort is has grown every time or is it still around no, the 16 students? No, mark? no, it's it has been um, I would say a trickle. So sometimes mm -hmm. there there have been like 10 and then you would have 15 and then you'd have 12. And I think there have been about three or four successful graduations since then. That's not I bad. wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't um, hang any serious um, this thing on my words. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but mm -hmm. there's something. And how was how was the education uh, in in terms of how uh, landscape architecture is covered there? Is it still because in itself the profession is pretty Eurocentric? So how is that education covered in Nigeria? Is it still Eurocentric or is it? more place-based it is it's a little of both there is um there is growing awareness that mm -hmm. the eurocentric formula is just not applicable anymore it should never have been the thing right but it's pretty much where it started and we're sort of stuck with it for now but mm -hmm. there's um there's a growing appreciation for what is um homegrown and what 
our definition of the profession should be. No one person has successfully come up with a curriculum that has been adapted, but mm-hmm. there are a couple of individuals, and it's unfortunate that it's really individuals and it, there's no body that you can like refer to. There's no organization right. or institution. It's, right. There's just a couple of individuals who are sort of missionaries for what is true and real to our own um, cultural context. Right. So it's good that a couple of these individuals are already in academia. So mm-hmm. they're there to influence the um, curriculum. Yeah, to influence um, the students and people who are coming in to know that, hey, the we're not going to swallow who Klein sinker, the colonial idea of landscape architecture. Right. We're allowed to to remember what is ours, to um, focus on what is ours and things like that. So it's, mm. um, it is tough. It's tough because yeah. all the definitions we have out, out there come from some right. colonial version. Yeah. So it, and, Yeah, um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons also maybe why people don't see themselves in the profession and they're like, wait, what? Like, why am I... You know, if you French gardens, yeah, English gardens. <laughs> like we've we've had enough damage with with, with that history. <laughs> we, we don't need to to do any more of that. That's great. And so with that difference, landscape architecture in Nigeria, and now you've been here for a year. How how has your experience been different? And um, are there any kind of like lessons that you've learned that have been amplified by either some differences between the two contexts? Well, the the one thing I have noticed is all of the emphasis on sustainable measures mm-hmm. are deliberate here, but they're inadvertent in Nigeria. So there are things we deliberately do here. I'm just, I'm going to use one basic description, uh, one basic example of um, water, the use of water, right? Mm -hmm. How we're trying to not use potable water for um, landscape and we're trying to um, harvest rain and et cetera. Mm -hmm. In Nigeria, simply because the infrastructure for water is not as readily available as it is here, People are by default conservative mm. about their use of water. Right. So you would have um, anybody who is um, appreciative enough mm-hmm. of landscape architecture and actually wants to um, have a greener environment mm-hmm. is automatically thinking, let's choose um, plants that would survive without a lot of water. I don't have right. water to pay for plants. I want them right. to be satisfied with rainwater. Yeah. And while um, huge reservoirs for um, rain harvesting are not commonplace, mm-hmm. on, a, on a very micro um, level, people are used to harvesting rain for these. So you would have homes where people would capture their rainwater in drums and barrels and things mm-hmm. like that for the express purpose of their um, landscape needs right you see nobody nobody has read a textbook that said um we're gonna live sustainably so we're not gonna use potable yeah. water we're gonna use rain but they're doing these things but here people are actually reading textbooks to tell them this and i'm like oh <laughs> y'all, y'all didn't know that 
yeah I, yeah totally so, there are so, so many these, things like that so these yeah these this is like the starkest it's really stark it's a very stark like difference to me so there's mm -hmm. a lot of them um, there are other things like this that we do inadvertently back home and the mm -hmm. sad part is because of the colonial influence mm -hmm. people are trying to not do those things in nigeria mm -hmm. they right. want to like make more money so that they can do it the western way Whereas the Westerners are realizing that it's a waste of resources doing it this way. We should do it the other way. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I'm like, oh my God, if I could just get more people to see that, hey, you're on the right track already. Stop trying to like switch. This right. is this has this has a deadline. This has an end if you go this way. But this is sustainable. Mm. Like you could do this right. the rest of your life and for generations to come if you stick with what you already have. Yeah. That would be awesome. It's just getting people to embrace the indigenous and like um local and cultural ways of doing things and we would actually be fine a hundred percent yeah and it's applies... influence in certain things yeah, yeah it applies to so many other fields where it's like you tap into that like local ways of like doing and knowing mm -hmm. those things have sustained us for generations and generations yeah, yeah. you know so it's like why why are we trying to default to a system yeah. that uh, <laughs> on learning good habits and learning like things that are just not the best for us yeah all. totally oh man i'm i'm so i'm so glad um to to hear that because i've i've always felt that way you know and sometimes it's hard to find like really concrete examples like yeah. like like water harvesting like i remember one of my friends um from ghana she told me about uh, this festival that they hold where they're not allowed to fish for a certain amount of time. Oh, okay. Right? And it's, it's, it's kind of a way, like when you think about it, it's like a way to conserve yes, it is. and protect like marine life. Uh -huh. You got to give it a break. Give it a chance to yeah. build itself. Yeah. Whereas here, like, you know, like it's just this commercial enterprise, just like go, 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 go. And like it never really stops. Whereas like the, it's like there is a cultural rituals about yeah. really living in sync with the natural systems that, yeah. yeah. Anyways, mm -hmm. I, I really wanted to also talk about your traveling experience i know you love traveling and uh <laughs> i know right it's like oh i and and since we can't travel so like i i want to kind of talk about your traveling experiences um i think i remember in one of our conversations you said you'd you'd gone to east africa in rwanda specifically i i believe yeah and um like i remember uh, when my family moved from Burundi to Niger, I had mm -hmm. quite a huge cultural shock. And, and, and I was a child, right? So um, I, I want to, to know what was your cultural shock the first time you went from Nigeria to Rwanda or any part of, of East Africa? Because I, I think they're different. Yeah, um, I got to visit the, uh, I got to visit Kenya, Rwanda, and Uganda. Oh, perfect. Um, so let's talk about all of them then. Yeah. Collectively, it's it's interesting, but my impression was that people were nicer. Really? Yes, really. Hmm. But it's 
it's hard to properly articulate. Nigerians are not mean mm. to outsiders, but we're we're hard on each other. Mm, so and while we don't look different, I mean, when you're in Africa, you're in most countries, we mm. all look the same, right? Right. But when you open your mouth, they will know that you're. Yeah. <laughs> you can already <laughs> tell the person is from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so when I'm in Nigeria, opening my mouth and going on as every other Nigerian is like, yeah, you're one of us, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I go somewhere else and I open my mouth and I'm like, oh, you're from somewhere else. That's very nice to you. And yeah. that's pretty much what Nigerians would do with um, other Africans when they come to Nigeria. But I guess right. it was nice experiencing it when I go somewhere else. I <laughs> so, see, I so see. So there was yeah. that. <laughs> it was interesting that even though things were new to me, things were also super familiar. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like being in a Nigerian city I had never been to. It's just right. um, maybe um, people didn't drive us crazily here or, <laughs> said, <laughs> yeah, or people said hello to each other here, or mm -hmm. there was, um, or there'd be billboards I'd never seen before. Mm. Or there would be vegetation that I was absolutely unfamiliar with. Right. So those were like the little things. And then the food. The food oh, is, yeah. The food is, is at once familiar and strange. Mm -hmm. it, I don't know how to articulate this any better, but you see ingredients you're familiar with cooked in ways you'd never but, yeah. considered <laughs> before. <laughs> and yeah. So, so those those were the things I noticed. The yeah. Is there like thing. anything like uh, like let's start with uh, Kenya maybe? What was something that was specific? Were you in Nairobi? Yes. What I loved about Kenya was that mm -hmm. right out of the airport, mm -hmm. just heading into town in the taxi. Yeah. There were zebras. Just <laughs> no <laughs> Zebras, like really, you guys are real. And you mean you just walk along the street in Kenya? And then the driver told me, well, actually, this is a reservation. And um, so it has a transparent fence, of course, that you can yeah. see through. And that's why, like, the, so this is this is a safe haven for them. It's not that zebras just roam the streets in Kenya. But to my fresh and town Nigerian mind, I was like, no way. I can't wait to go home and tell people that in Kenya, zebras are just there. The childhood dream comes true. <laughs> That was, that was super fascinating. That did not go away. You can see, I'm still excited when I think about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, like seeing zebras like over there, it's like, what? Unreal. I've never seen a zebra in my life. And there they were just gracefully strolling and around. They're so beautiful. Yeah, we live here. <laughs> I mean, they're like probably one of the most beautiful animals on, on the planet. They are oh. gorgeous. Oh. They are. <laughs> so, yeah, All right. that that's awesome. That was, that was the first thing that stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. So that was Nairobi. What about? So yes, that was, and were you in Kampala in Uganda? No, in in Uganda, no. I didn't. Um, I arrived at Entebbe and then took a car further into mm. town. So I never. I didn't get to see Kampala much. I think we drove through Kampala yeah. because we went somewhere else. I think we went to Mukono. Okay. Um, and um, we did Kajansi and a few other places, but. 
Um, I didn't get to spend time in Kampala. However, Kampala was very reminiscent of um, Lagos when we drove through it, like mm-hmm. super busy, very, um, very big, very city. metropolitan, very, um, really busy. It was like, oh my God, I'm in Lagos again. Like, it really, <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it was that feeling for a little bit when we went through Kampala. But the rest of Uganda was, um, I found the people chill. Mm. I just, this is, it's, it's, it's not a very, it's not a, I know it's not an academic description, but it's what it's, it was what, it was all I could like lay my hands on mm-hmm. coming from Nigeria to, to East Africa. And this was all over East Africa. People were, life was milder, easier. There was less, it felt less hustly bustly. Now, mm-hmm. And not every single town in Nigeria is that way, but I lived in Lagos at that point. And right. Lagos is, it would be like New York to the U.S. It's like Lagos to Nigeria. I mean, it is the largest African city and like I think one of the fastest growing cities in the world. It is, it is 20 million people living on this really tiny bit of land. So you can, yeah. it is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I love it. It's like it's so full of everything. The good, the bad, the really ugly and the awesome. It's yeah, all yeah, in yeah. like this tiny little space so like yeah. I'd come from that to in all fairness almost anywhere almost everywhere else I go in Nigeria from Lagos is like oh sleepy little town so <laughs> yeah. going going to a different country and um seeing different I'm like oh sleepy little town but it might not necessarily be that the whole of that country is like a sleepy little town but mm-hmm. it was just my impression simply because I came from a super super busy right in Nigeria and I mean, Kigali is even quieter than like all and of those so places. How did you feel? And clean. <laughs> Kigali is clean. That's like that blew my mind. Like it, it grieved me because I was like, this I have always advocated for clean cities. Mm. But because people keep going, oh, let's beautify this space. I'm like, sometimes all you have to do is just clean it up. Mm-hmm. just clean up a space it is beautiful just being yeah. able to see see the ground just knowing that your um your drainages would not be clogged you would right. you would not have flooding issues if you don't throw your trash in your waste, drainage yeah waste management you, would, <laughs> you get so like i have always thought a be- a clean a clean city is like is is going to be like half your problem solved right was a, a case study of that it's so clean and the people are the everybody feels individually responsible for the cleanness of their country that blew my mind I'm like why can't we all just do this for our country like if every single person took personal responsibility for i'm not even saying be over patriotic and for the whole nation but for yourself for your space if everybody did that Every continuous space is going to be clean. If I did that and at the end of my boundary, the next guy is doing the same thing and the next girl is doing the same thing, we would have a clean nation, for goodness sake. You guys look yes. at Rwanda. They're doing shit right. So, yeah, it was it was really nice. And Rwanda has this fantastic, um, interesting terrain. So it's all up and down and yeah. you never find um, any two things on the same um, level, on the yeah. same elevation level. Things are like the hills. Yeah, I would see car parks with each spot, each um, each car lot on a different elevation from the next. Yeah. Oh my god, 
This the they use Imagine being a landscape architect there. You got to build master grader. <laughs> yes, you will have to. Because I come from Nigeria where we don't have, um, in most places, not everywhere. Mm-hmm. There, I visited um, I visited this town that had a very similar um, terrain. Mm-hmm. But what we typically do is just, you know, level it, cut it all off, cut and fill everything and flatten your space and work mm-hmm. with it. But these people used the terrain as it was a lot. And it was beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those those were the things that like stuck out stuck out at me in Rwanda. That's, that's awesome. I remember when I went to West Africa, the thing that blew my mind the most was the street food culture, which in Burundi we do not have because it's oh. culturally um, looked down upon to eat on the street. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so I just, I just always found life to be much more vibrant on the streets when I'm oh, back in West street. Africa. Bring on the street food! I know. I'm like, guys, come on! This is boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah, I just that's I miss so much. Yeah. yeah, like street food, like in Niger, and it's just like. Just oh, like that's interesting. Stopping and eating everything with the dust and God knows what. Honestly, <laughs> and you're just like the health concerns. <laughs> no, you don't think about it. Like you I remember, my mom was can't like, "Allow yourself think about it." <laughs> mom was like, "You guys gotta stop eating uh, that that street food." I'm like, uh, "No, <laughs> just don't just don't worry about it." Don't worry. Immunity. <laughs> Oh my gosh, like that was yeah, the best thing. Like sometimes you look at the oil, you're like, I'm pretty sure this oil has not been changed in like a year. But I'm the flavor sure is sludge. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is sludge. I'm pretty sure my veins and arteries are begging me to please not introduce it <laughs> into our system. But, <laughs> but it's the best. It, oh, I miss it so yeah. much. Talking about missing things, what is something that you miss the most about um, Nigeria? Oh, it's... Or maybe like one or, maybe one to three things, like like top list you miss the most. Honestly, it's beef. Beef? Yes. <laughs> yes, because... Same. It's, it's weird that um, I'd heard a lot about beef not being a sustainable, um, eating so much beef is not a sustainable practice. Mm-hmm. And um, this was the first time I was seeing why. Because mm-hmm. I come from a place where it is abundant, where it is, there's enough place to raise them well. So right. raising, raising, um, raising proper beef is was a very weird thing to me. I didn't know there was such a thing because all of the beef around us is doing just good. Mm. And then I come to a place where that's not the case. It was, I thought people were being, um, I don't know, elitist about their mm. tastes when they said certain beef didn't, beef didn't taste so good and some tasted great. And I'm mm. like, yeah, until I tasted beef, random chicken. <laughs> oh, 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 what is this? <laughs> It was wrong. So now I understand. So mm. now I'm like, oh, okay. If it tastes like this, you have no business killing that thing. Let it leave. Like, just forget about it. Let it die a natural death and go to <laughs> cattle paradise, wherever that is. Like, yeah. So that was something I noticed immediately because, mm-hmm. yeah, we, in Nigeria, it's just not a problem we have yet. So 
everything we have is properly grown. It tastes good. It's so have you stopped eating beef here then? Um, no. Now I simply choose the organic farms, the, okay. um, the sustainably raised um, mm-hmm. beef to, places to go for. So I'm now, I'm not, now that I'm aware of that, I now choose, choose properly like, where right. to go, go get, um, get my beef. Um, what else have I really noticed? It's the weather. The weather is the biggest difference. There's, mm-hmm. there's no sun. Oh. I literally have on my phone the weather app for Vancouver and the weather app for Lagos. And while I don't miss the heat of Lagos, so every time if I ever want to bitch about the cold here, I simply mm-hmm. look at the temperature in Lagos and go, eh, I don't want to deal with this heat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to deal with this heat. But the sun would have been nice. So that's yeah. a new thing for me. Actually being happy to see the sun is very new. It's a novel experience for me. Yeah. I'm used to trying to get away from the sun yeah yeah and now yeah. i'm looking for it i'm like oh my god it's a sunny day let's go out <laughs> yeah and it's like you have like a one hour window to catch it exactly. <laughs> so, so that's that is I, I didn't think there's no way i would have thought 18 months ago that i would be excited to see the sun mm-hmm. but there you have it vancouver happens <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, yeah it's so yeah that's that and what else have I noticed? Well, off the top of my head, those are the things that really come to me. Mm-hmm. And what is yeah. like something that I, is absolutely beautiful about Nigeria that you want to share? Hold on. Other than the beef. Down. Other than the beef, obviously. <laughs> interestingly, what I would, like if I had a friend coming to Nigeria mm. and they said, I want to, do see something truly Nigerian, I would say go to a wedding or a funeral. Mm. Those are the occasions that you would still see Nigerian culture in some, in whatever version, depending on where in Nigeria you are. Right. And those things still, like they haven't been totally colonized. They have certain, they certainly have all the hallmarks of colonization in them. Right. But they're also very authentically traditional. Right. So the food you would experience, the things you would see, the clothing, the dancing, the, the music. The clothing. Oh my goodness. The music. The 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 traditions. The mm-hmm. when you come in, you do this with the elders, and then the youths would do that, or how yeah. you greet the um in in the case of a, of uh, a wedding, how mm-hmm. the in-laws should be treated or received, and mm-hmm. uh, depending on who we're talking, I mean the bride side, the groom side, yeah. things like that 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 is nigeria like that is where you get to like truly get to see everything and with funerals mm-hmm. too depending right. on where you are where i come from mm-hmm. at a funeral especially if the person were is old if the person dies old yeah oh my god if the person dies old and wealthy uh-huh. so it is like a parade of peacocks mm. the the regalia it is uh. i could go on and on yeah, so, yeah. No, no, i, I do want to hear about it so is it more like a like a so, almost like a party to show off how well this person yes, was um, doing okay so let's forget about how wealthy the person is we don't really care we would borrow yeah. money to to do this person <laughs> <laughs> we would do yes to do this person um to give this person an honorable funeral Mm-hmm. Um, so where I come from, I'm from River State in Nigeria. It's in the mm-hmm. southern, southern so- side. It's we're bordered by the Atlantic, so we're very mm-hmm. 
but we have a lot of rivers running through mm. us and we're still bordered by the Atlantic. So mm. we have a, a very watery culture. Sounds beautiful. So for us, the most um, precious um, jewelry is the coral. Mm. So coral, um, jewelry is made from coral. Mm. So we would have this huge two-inch sized pieces of coral strung together on, mm-hmm. on necklaces. So you might have a necklace that is, um, oh, I'm, I'm so not good with ordinary measurements. Like you would say you would have one that is like one foot long. You would yeah. have one that is um, one and a half foot long. You would have mm-hmm. one that is two feet long and you would wear all of them. Oh, I see. Okay. You would wear all of them. You would have a hat made of coral. Yeah. You would have a walking stick studded with coral. You would have and everybody bracelet. does the immediate family. The immediate, okay, I see. Uh-huh. The immediate family of the deceased. Mm-hmm. So you would have bracelets and anklets made of coral, mm-hmm. and then you would have these. We call them wrappers. You would have this. So wrapper is is really, literally just a huge swatch of fabric that you wrap around yourself. Okay. And they come in all sorts of qualities, and um, they come from everywhere around the world. And it was really important to us if you're if historically speaking because we we did a lot of trading atlantic trading and mm-hmm. where i'm from I, like i did say we're bordered by the atlantic right mm-hmm. so we did a lot of atlantic trading mm-hmm. so the further away your wrappers came from right. the more important the i mean the more important your look would be right so you right. would save the one that came from really far away from we have wrappers we simply call india because <laughs> It doesn't make a lot of sense because they're like, uh, hello, this person, that person, that person went to India just the other day. But back then, you can imagine right. 100, 150 years ago, getting something that came from India. Oh, dear God. Wow. Yeah. You can imagine the, the impression. Like it magical. Would be, right? Yeah. Yes. It's like, so you would save the ones from far flung places for big events like this and where you get to go. Yeah. I'm, I, I come from a home that's well-traveled or like a proper tradesmen right. who have interacted with people from all over the place and see yeah. we on us, uh-huh. we carried on our person. So you would wear all that and, um, <clears throat> and then you would, you would be escorted by your external, fa- your extended family mm-hmm. from your home to the funeral site and um, there, there's a lot of like other stuff in there that I forget or, yeah. but. But it's a lot of dressing up. It's a lot of um, traditionally. Are people buried outside of their home? Like outside of their home? Or um, you know, now that you mention it, I have never known what the real culture is because we now have funeral grounds. Right. Some people, some people still um, have plots in their homes where they can um, lay someone to rest, and you see that when you walk around the um, when you walk around the village, you would see mm-hmm. headstones in in um compounds in people's compounds so yeah some somebody somewhere up the ancestry line is laid to rest there somewhere but there's not enough room to lay everybody in the family in the compounds yeah. anyway so yeah we really, use yeah we use normal cemeteries now mm-hmm. yeah we've also we do that but i found out a few years ago when one of my uncles passed and uh, the immediate family was like, oh, do we bury him in like in the backyard? And I was like, wait, what? And then it started this discussion where back in the day, it used to be that people would be buried on their land, like, mm. in, like 
in the backyard of of, of that land like and yeah. I was like oh it's interesting how has that that has changed yeah and I remember in Benin um one of one close family friend who passed and their tradition was that one has to be buried in their native village because at, at this time they were living in the capital city yeah and uh, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we do that a lot in Nigeria. A lot of people will, well, their corpses will go back to wherever they originated uh -huh, from. Yes. Not yeah. not the city they died in or wherever. We actually have a lot of people um, who would um, pass on in diaspora mm -hmm. and be shipped back home for the funerals. Yeah, and I thought, All wow. The way. And, but they'd lived in wherever country for decades and they would still get shipped home to be laid to rest. Yeah. So, yeah it is very like, typical in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And like in Benin, they have that, they had a culture specifically where he came from, where as a family, they actually had like a, a family home oh, okay. for burying. So then like, oh. Okay. So it's almost like this land is dedicated for when okay. A, B, and C passes. And this is where they are laid to rest. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. Yeah. Like, I don't know that we have that. We might, but I really just don't know. Because Benin is like right beside Nigeria. And some mm -hmm. things overlap. I just wonder if this is one of those things that would overlap in Maybe. some parts I mean, there's of Nigeria. So, so many things that we lost yeah uh, because of colonialism but like and like some people were able to preserve it more more than yeah, others than others true mm -hmm. actually now that we are on this uh talk of rituals i wanted to ask you if you are aware of any um specific plant association with certain like cultural rituals or spiritual practices in like in nigeria i don't I don't know of a single one, personally, mm -hmm. but I I also take it for granted that they must exist. I mean, there's like the we, thing, I think you might know about the cola nuts, the offering of the cola nuts. That, that, um, the cola nuts and the palm are like palm the, oil. Two, uh, the two things that have very um, strong cultural, um, cultural ties. But as per ritualistic, I don't know, maybe this is just splitting hairs and semantics because... Mm -hmm. At almost every wedding in most places, um, traditional, the traditional um, mm -hmm. wedding in most places in Nigeria, mm -hmm. the cola nut comes into play in one way or the other. Right. It, it's something to, I, I forget exactly what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. My culture does not have the cola nut exactly. So I'm not mm -hmm. quite, I'm not aware of it, but there's something. There's always a celebrated place for the cola notes maybe the groom's family has to bring to the bride's family or maybe the yeah. bride's family uses it to welcome the groom's family but it's it's precious and it's important and it gets a very fantastic presentation we right, just right right but the cola notes is the one and then the palm the palm is um it's that the palm is used in everything it's or more like every part of the palm is used in one way or the other. Yes, that's, mm. that's what it is. So the leaves would be used for brooms. The um, palm fruit itself mm -hmm. would be squeezed for its oil, for the palm oil, mm -hmm. which we would cook with, which we would, the, the nuts. Mm -hmm. Now, the, um, the shaft that comes from that 
would mm. be used locally for all sorts of things. Some of it are like it's ground up into like soap and stuff like that. The, mm -hmm. the, the shaft from when you squeeze the palm itself. So mm. when you squeeze it, you, you get the shaft, you remove the, you get the oil, the shaft, you use it for one thing you use mm -hmm. the oil for cooking or, or yeah, yeah. creams and so on. The, and then you get to a knot on the inside. Yes. So now the knot can be eaten mm -hmm. and the knot can be pressed for oil too, which is not consumed, but it's usually used for cosmetic products. Mm. And, um, and then, yeah, the knot is eaten. So like every, and then the palm, the palm wine, that is a celebrated part in every traditional affair. Mm. Oh, the palm wine. It's tell me, tell me about it. What does it taste Nigerian like? Nigerian in diaspora. As, and the thing about it's, so depending on what time, so the palm wine is tapped early in the morning. And so what, morning. which part of the, the plant is it coming from? I don't even know. I'm too urbanite. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm ashamed, but that's the truth. I am that urban person who just goes, just shall bring me palm wine. Let me drink. But where what, and how what, it is What does made, it look like? It's, it is cloudy. Okay, so it's, it's not coming it's cloudy. Yes, the same so part of the oil cloudy. because that's red. No, no, not at all. No, no, no. It's cloudy. It's like it's like milk that it's like when you pour, you mistakenly pour some milk into water and like oops, oh. I will drink it anyways. I see, I see. So so it is cloudy mm -hmm. and it's usually tapped in the morning. Mm -hmm. When you get it in the morning, it's sweet. Okay. You know that it is so it's like drinking a liquor. A, a sweet alcoholic beverage mm -hmm. in the morning that's your so, stuff yes yes that's my sweet stuff so that's, that's the one i like <laughs> and then if you and then later on in the day it ferments and then it becomes like you know harder so it's it is interesting that and of course it is always different i mean the fruits from one tree to the next is mm -hmm. you know it, there, there could always be subtle differences you get and it shows yeah. in the palm wine so you always know you're drinking palm wine but sometimes you're like who, what tree did this one come from? This is really right. good. And, or what time was this tapped? This is, so you hear things like that, yeah. so depending on where it is tapped and um, what time it is tapped. And of course the skills of the palm wine tapper, mm -hmm. it, it is different. So you have people who live in the rural areas who would have, so it's like how you have the milkman going around delivering milk will have the palm wine tapper going around and he has his regulars that mm. he would deliver to. So yes, the, those, yeah. those are two things that have like very strong cultural, as far as ritualistic go, I'm sure there are, I'm just not aware of them, right. but these are the ones that are like, so um, widely known and mm. are like, yeah, they just have their precious place in the culture everywhere in the country. Yeah, I gotta test. I hear it in the movies. I hear it every time. Oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I need, I need to taste. It is, yeah, I it need is, to taste it's it. It's an integral part of, yeah, all, all traditional Nigerian traditional things. So then, do Nigerians in the diaspora ever have access to it, or is it something because like no, it's, so fresh? It's, it's exactly because the real thing you could have someone bring some over, but let's face it, carrying of liquids in a plane, so. Yeah. How do you, and it's not, um, because of its nature, it is not some, it's not something that's bottled and branded and put on shelves. Right. No, no, you just have to get the real stuff. So no, you, it's, hmm. it's just not the kind of thing that makes its way. I you guess, have to I guess I'll have to go, I'll have it. to go to Nigeria <laughs> yes. to yes, drink. 
And I would be curious to hear if anybody has ever exported palm wine. I would, so you, you get, there's so much I don't know. There's, there might be somebody out there finding a way to do it and I'm just not aware of it, but yeah, it's, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Palm wine. Here I come. I mean, we can't even go. One day. <laughs> one day. When, when COVID lets us move around again. Oh my Curse goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Talking about going places. Now let's go into a speculative um, realm. Um, this is where I ask you to imagine an imaginary space. And that imaginary space uh, would be Lagos, right? And um, it is like a very fast growing city. It is Hassan Basso, as you said before. And there's a lot of challenges that are associated with this growth. And I want to know if you were to imagine what an ideal Lego city would be like, what does that look like and feel like um, to you? Especially, I want you to use your lands as, as, as having a background in architecture and also landscape architecture but also any any other lands you want to bring into this uh, vision? Frankly, this, I don't know how imaginative this is, but I, what I desire for Lagos is, it's so basic. It's, it is so <laughs> basic. Mm -hmm. I have just like two, three things I want. I just want it to be clean. I just want it to <laughs> yeah. be green. Mm -hmm. And I want us to use the infrastructure we actually have. Because is... there there are, Nigerians like to build their homes. Building your home is all, is like an ultimate sign of um, security, um, mm -hmm. financial security type thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, just, it's one of like the most basic expressions of financial security, having mm -hmm. your home. And most people like to design and build their own homes. Mm -hmm. That's fine when you have the room. But in Lagos, we don't have the room. Right. But we however have so many homes that seats empty and we don't know where those owners are well maybe we know where England. they are but <laughs> when you have one person rattling around in a 12 room 12 bedroom mansion you're like uh this feels like a waste right so those things hurt me when i see those homes sitting empty and then the new structure is going up everywhere mm -hmm. i mean for an architect you know I, I, you would think i would be happy about new infrastructure new buildings going up right but mm. I'm, I'm not happy about the old ones that are just rotting away. Right. And a lot of them on prime property too. Then I'm not, I'm really grieved by the fact that a lot of the problems we have are because the town is just not clean environmentally. Like it's, we're not, people litter by default. And I mean, mm. everybody all across the spectrum, young to old, educated to totally illiterate. Hmm. people litter and because of this litter you have what could be a beautiful space looking hideous we hmm. have envir actual environmental concerns because the the drainages are clogged with trash and lagos is right there on the atlantic which means we have we already have water drainage concerns hmm. we have rain um the rain is not being carted away because it's it's just stuck there. The drainages mm. are clogged. And these, such a simple thing as cleaning would really help out. We use a lot of plastic, which is 
it's heartbreaking, but there are also people who are doing, who are pioneering great innovations around the use of, um, the reuse of plastic. There are mm -hmm. people who are, um, there's somebody who has come up with a way to create construction material from the soft plastic, the reusable soft plastic That's that amazing. we have. It is amazing. So, I mean, if, if we could harness our trash, like mm -hmm. there's, there's potential for that, not just the disposing um, safe disposal of the trash. We mm -hmm. can actually harness it and, you know, reuse it for like really good stuff that we need. Um, so like those are, they're, they're so basic that these are the things my fantasies are made of now. Like that's how far along the really nasty path we've gone that I can't even, I, I don't even hope for big things anymore. I just want clean. <laughs> I just, I just want to reuse the buildings we have. I just, I just, and I really just want people to stop uprooting old trees because they want to build something. Right. There's, there's some, there's this neighborhood, which is, um, it's really old. It's, it's, it's old money neighborhood. And it's, it's, it's pretty much one of the only neighborhoods in um, Lagos that is actually tree lined. And it's a holdover from colonial days and all that's understandable, right. but, but it is a good holdover because this is, it's, it's serene. It's beautiful. It's people have, yeah, it's very hoity-toity and upper class. So of course they would do better about cleaning their environment and keeping mm -hmm. things looking nice and neat. But for those trees, those trees were recently felled for some obscure reason that I, I don't even know. Oh, really? I'm like, what did they ever do to you? Why? Nobody, you can hardly get people to, people would build a tiny um, handkerchief size. People would purchase a tiny handkerchief size um, mm. of um, land, a plot of yeah. land, and want to build it completely. So a zero line development type thing. With oh boy. absolutely no consideration for any kind of green in there. So you have a totally hardscape, hard, um, hard piece of land. So we're just, we're scarifying every piece of land we get. So it's oh. all scabs and hard. There's nowhere to absorb any, um, and there's nowhere to absorb any water. So it's, yeah. we're just creating one huge heat island and it, it's a nightmare. So those are like, that's, I'm, I'm not asking for much. I just want clean. <laughs> I just want clean. I just want a little bit of ground that can actually breathe, that is not covered yeah. in concrete. And I just want to, at least use the existing um, buildings we have and mm -hmm. um, not just, and even if we have to tear them down and build something up, let's do it right. Yeah. yeah. Those are my fantasies. They're very basic. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But say, say if those things were, were achieved, what would be the shooting to the stars uh, ideals? For I you? should you not. I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> don't block this, your imagination you this, know this is this is so front and center right now mm -hmm. that i'm like i don't even know what i'm gonna want if i have a blank canvas because a blank canvas is is so far from achievement right now that i'm like i'm just all i want is a blank canvas i'm sure there would be others who would have ideas about what to sketch on it when we get it Mm. for me like that's that's all i'm just going in for let's just let's just get to the point where we actually gives our give ourselves a chance to 
that's that's where I'm at. I I'm sure there are people with big dreams out there, but I'm just not one of them. I I'm very very small, very small hopes and dreams right now. Just <laughs> I don't think very I don't small. Think, I don't think those are small. I mean, they have such but, huge implications. For yes, like, they do. They do life. have really huge implications, and but that's that's pretty much where I'm at. Every time I try to think, I'm just like I just let's just get rid of the these existing concerns and all y'all with big dreams can swoop in and tell us what to do with it when we have it. But for now, I just want these basic things. Oh, that's awesome. They're not very basic. You know, they, they would affect a lot of, a lot of people. They're far reaching. They're far reaching. And if we could do it, it would, it would be awesome. It would, I don't know. We'll get there. I hope. We will. We will. You have to, you have to move with trust that these things will happen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for being here with us. And it is my tradition that I ask you if you have a question for me. <gasps> I didn't think about that. It's a surprise. Now you're getting okay. way too excited, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, huh. This is a good one. Is it now? I, no, I'm happy to know that I can ask a question. I'm just upset with myself that I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I now like, do not tell you ahead of time so you come up with some like, crazy <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, okay, I think I'm actually curious about where you want to go with these podcasts. What's what is the what's the end game or what is the well um so where do i want to go maybe i should start with why i doing it first yes that that's, I, that's I, very... I don't think i actually have a specific and destination in mind certainly yes why you're doing it that's... um for first and foremost i realize that when it comes to landscape architecture specifically when when I first started this was more to have conversations about um, the intersection of landscape architecture and black cultures and black identity mm. which is missing and uh, for me it feels good to talk about this like honestly I really like learning about new things and this is like a really easy way to just have a conversation and like if somebody can learn something out of these conversations that's great yeah. but all I know is Every time like I talk to someone, like I come out feeling like, wow, that was a really good chat. Like I feel, it sounds a little selfish, but it, it feels good. And then like, um, and putting it out there so we can have these conversations and hopefully somebody will listen and be like, hey, I wanna do this. I wanna go into landscape architecture, right? Um, but also to center our voices and experiences because it's not often that we see, <laughs> we see that. And so, <laughs> I like I've made a conscious effort to to have black voices mostly. I don't think um, that's what it would be the whole time, but definitely for now that is that's the goal. And oh, that's a beautiful one. Yeah, in terms of destination, honestly, I I don't know. I I mean the the fact that I'm also not able to to travel and and see places and talk to people where they are. This is the next best thing. Right. It's like, yeah. Hey, do you want to chat about this thing? And then it's like you get to to, to enter a world that you wouldn't otherwise through a conversation. That's 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 it. 
Okay. Yeah, that that's a beautiful one. Yeah, oh, that's thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's sometimes hard to like find <laughs> good questions to ask. <laughs> but it's good. Like if if I I've been talking to friends like yourself, so it it's it's easier, right? We can just kind of have a chat. Whereas like now that like I'm trying to reach people that I've never met before and like trying to get them, that's that becomes a little a little tricky. Mm. Right. Um, I'm probably being greedy, but I will just ask one more question. Uh, 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 okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what what is what is the um what question have you been asked that really stuck with you? Um I think the questions so far that I've been asked have been ex expected. Okay. Uh, one was why I got into landscape architecture. The other one was, I always like to ask this uh, speculative question, but okay. like imagine spaces, somebody threw that back at me. Um, yeah, they hadn't, like, it hasn't been something like, whoa, I should have never asked this person to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why did not I do yet. that? Not yet, not the mood. <laughs> I know, I know, right now it's just like, I think it's mostly because up until this point, I actually um, haven't published the episodes yet. Okay. So people haven't caught on to the fact that they get a chance. <laughs> You have a head start. So I might, uh, that tradition might, <laughs> <I> might die. <laughs> oh, this yeah. has been good. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for putting me at ease. I was really nervous, but for a while there, I almost forgot this is what we were doing. <laughs> Honestly, I am more nervous than than you, than like the, <laughs> the guest, because I... You're I doing a good job. I would never have guessed. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Design Unmuted podcast brought to you by Divine. If you liked what you heard, please rate and tell your friends about it. You can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Find me on Instagram at Ramesha Design Unmuted and also on my website at www.rameshadesign.com. The track you're hearing is called Under the Sun by Kafaye, singer-songwriter, and produced by Ozenit, or Zenith, by Kiga and Sanjan. Enjoy. Enjoy.